Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Lord Peter Whimsey, episode titled Clouds of Witness, where Lord Peter's eldest brother stands accused of murder. In collaboration with Inspector Parker, Whimsy slowly uncovers a web of lies and deceit within his own family. This will be an eight-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Peter Whimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter, with Patricia Routledge as the Dowager Duchess of Denver. Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted in eight episodes by Peter Jones and Tanya Leaven. Episode 4, Mary Quite Contrary. Lord Peter Whimsey is investigating the death of Dennis Cathcart, for which his brother, the Duke of Denver, stands accused of murder. His investigations in Yorkshire and those of his friend Inspector Parker in Paris suggest that his sister, Lady Mary Whimsey, who was engaged to Cathcart, did not tell the truth at the inquest on the dead man. Mary is now ill in bed, and their mother, the Dowager Duchess of Denver, has arrived in Yorkshire. You ought to have been there at the Assizes, Peter. I'm sorry, Mother. So you should be. When Gerald was what the judge called produced in court, his poor little face was so strange. Bound to be. He seemed to look round for the family, and I'm very pleased we were there. Look, Mother, I explained that I didn't attend because I knew it was mere routine. Even so... For Gerald's sake. Look, I was doing other things for Gerald's sake. You were? Of course, Mother. Look, I'll tell you about them later. First of all, I want you to go up and see Mary. Just what I meant to do. But now, aren't you interested in what happened? Of course, dear, but I already know. They brought in a true bill against Gerald and passed everything over to the House of Lords. Exactly. The judge admitted that he was incompetent. Incompetent, dear, to try a peer. Look just incompetent to me. Anyway, the Lord Chancellor is to be informed and he will make all the arrangements. He started that days ago. What ridiculous snobs they are. (sighs) I must go up and see Mary. Uh, Look, there is something I want you to ask her about. Yes? What is it? Well, so long as you can do it without upsetting her. Oh, don't worry too much about that. Well, I would like to find out more about a... A lucky charm and a tortoiseshell comb, I believe Mary and Cathcart bought in Paris. Lucky charm? She gave it to him when they were over there. Quite an expensive mascot with diamonds. Can't have been very effective or he'd still be alive. Leave her to me. Uh, Shall I come up with you? No. Dr Thorpe is coming later on and I'd rather talk to her on my own. Yes. Yes, all right, dear. Well, I'll be down here, so send for me if you want me. Well, Mary... It's not much use you lying in the dark saying nothing. It would help if Dr Thorpe could make a diagnosis. But it isn't an illness. It's 
Just strain and worry. Apart from tearfulness, exhaustion and lack of appetite, what are the symptoms? A high temperature. Strain and worry shouldn't cause a rise in temperature. A ghastly feeling of nausea. Vomiting? Frequently. What does Dr Thorpe prescribe? Rest. I think he's an old fool. He's looked after me all my life. He'll be here any minute now. I want to ask you one or two questions. No, Mother, I don't feel well enough. Nonsense. Your brother is charged with murder. You may be able to help. How can I? I'm ill. Not that ill. Now, what about that jewellery you bought in Paris? I can't remember. You were in Paris last February? Yes. Well, then, you and Dennis bought some jewellery. What jewellery? You tell me. He bought me a tortoiseshell comb. Ah, sounds like Dr Thorpe coming. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. What a ridiculous-looking horse. Please don't pull the curtains back. The light hurts my eyes. How much did the comb cost? I don't remember. Do you have the bill? No, it was a present. What else did you buy? Nothing else. Nothing for Dennis? No. A good luck charm? No. Where was the jeweller's? I don't remember. You don't remember? No. My headache's dreadfully. Oh, don't think about it. I, I think I'm going to be sick. There's something you aren't telling me, Mary. I don't doubt that you feel sick and depressed, but you mustn't turn away from the truth and into an unhealthy self-concern. Dr Thorpe's arrived. Morning, Your Grace. How's our little girl this morning? She's 28, Doctor, and not little. Uh, like me to come in? No. Close the door. You see, I was thinking... I'll call you if I want you. Now then, Doctor, what is wrong with her? Well, she's had a nervous breakdown, a shock. Naturally, she'd want to be alone. But her temperature, Doctor. Yes, I must admit, I'm baffled by the way it goes up and down. And these fits of sickness. Well, nerves can cause that. Nerves? Nerves don't cause fever. Take her temperature now. Yes, I was just about to. Good. Now, Lady Mary, open your mouth, under your tongue. That's it. Been able to eat anything? Mm. Drinking liquids? Mm. In my day, we called this kind of behaviour hysterics and naughtiness. We didn't let gals pull the wool over our eyes. There was never any talk of neurosis or reflexes, of repressions, suppressions, depressions. If you ask me, there's a fairly simple explanation. Is your horse all right out there? Eh? Yes, I think he's perfectly all right. Ah. Doctor? Your Grace? I don't think your horse is all right. Come over here. Is it a very old horse? Well, not very old. May I read the thermometer? You should have a motor car. I'll have a thermometer now. Thank you, my dear. I think you're going to find it's gone up. She doesn't look feverish. My word, you're right. 103.4. Come outside, Doctor. Yes, yes, of course, Your Grace. Peter! What are you doing? Waiting for you, actually. She's bluffing. Her temperature indicates there is something wrong. That's what she's bluffing about. When we went over to the window to look at your horse, I glanced at her reflection in the dressing table mirror. She was applying the thermometer to the hot water bottle. Surely you were mistaken. I were. And she is faking. Good heavens. I'm not normally taken in so easily. 
But Mary is, after all, a lady. I've never heard such rubbish. Come along. I want to look in the bathroom. The bathroom? Ah, good idea. You think she's taking something to induce the sickness? I think it's likely. Peter, have a look at the medicine cabinet. Yes, Mother. Uh, now, in bath salts, elements, embrocution, salvolatile, crucian salts. Hello, what's this at the back? Ipicacuana. The family bottle, and it's three quarters empty. Great heavens. That's why she vomits. Well done, Mother. It's easy to see which side of the family has the detective instinct. But, Peter, why should Mary want to make herself ill? That is what I am trying to find out, Charles. And I haven't told you the most unpleasant bit of the lot. What's that? Bunter went round to the analyst in Gar Street this morning and brought me the results. You remember I sent him a stain off one of Mary's skirts? Yes. Well, he has confirmed that the blood is human. And I'm afraid it's Cathcart's. Cathcart? Well, she must have knelt in it. The stain was three or four inches across, according to Bunter. And she won't say anything? I'm afraid not. So let's go over it. Now, Wednesday night, everyone comes in, dines, and goes to bed except Cathcart, who rushes out and stays out. Right. At 11.50, the gamekeeper hears a shot, which may very well have been fired in the clearing, where, well, let us say the accident took place. Now, at 3 a.m., Jerry comes home from, well, somewhere or other, and finds the body. As he is bending over it, Mary arrives in the most apropos manner from the house, fully dressed in her coat and cap, skirt and walking shoes. Now, what is her story? That she was awakened by a shot at three o'clock. But nobody else heard that shot at three o'clock. There was no Look, shot. I know that, old Parker, but I'm examining the discrepancies in her story. She said that she didn't give the alarm because she thought it was probably poachers. But if it was poachers, it would be absurd to go down and investigate. So she explains that she thought it might have been burglars. Well, that's possible. It could have been burglars. Oh, granted. But how does she dress to go down and look for burglars? Yeah, well, it was a wet night. Oh, my and... dear chap. Look, if it's burglars you're looking for, you don't expect to go and hunt for them round the garden. Anyhow, fancy a present-day girl who rushes about bareheaded in all weathers, stopping to put on all her clothes for a burglar hunt. Oh, damn it all, Charles. It won't wash. Well, they said it was a wet night. She, she went to the conservatory. Made a beeline for it. Straight to the corpse as if she knew exactly where to look. She sees Gerald stooping over it, and what does she say? Does she ask who it is? No. She exclaims, Oh, God, Gerald, you've killed him. And then she says, as if on second thoughts, Oh, it's Dennis. Now, does that strike you as natural? No. But it suggests to me that it wasn't Cathcart she expected to see, but someone else. Cathcart's death, at any rate, was a surprise for Yes. Her. Yes, now, now, we must remember that. Right. Gerald sends her up for help. She wakes up Freddy and the Pettigrew Robinsons, and then what? She locked herself into her room. Correct. And shortly afterwards, joined the others in the conservatory wearing a cap and coat and walking shoes, but over pyjamas and bare feet. So you're suggesting that Lady Mary was already awake and dressed at three o'clock and that she went out by the conservatory door with her suitcase 
expecting to meet the, the murderer of her... Ah, oh, damn it, Peter. Now, we needn't go as far as that, you know. We decided that she didn't expect to find Cathgard dead. No, no. Well, she went presumably to meet somebody. All right. Well, shall we say, pro tem, she went to meet number ten. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when she saw the Duke stooping over Cathcart, she thought... My joke, Peter. When she said you've killed him, she meant number ten. She thought it was number ten's body. Of course! Oh, got a fool I am. Then, recollecting that she was not supposed to know who it is, she said, Oh, it's Dennis. Then when she saw that it wasn't the body of number ten, she realised that... The number ten must be the murderer. So her her game was to prevent anybody knowing that number ten had been there. She'd shoved her suitcase behind the cacti, and then when she went upstairs, she pulled it out again and hid it in the oak chest on the landing. Cacti. Silver sand. Exactly. It fits. Then she knocked up the Pettigrew Robinsons. Right. Now, she'd be in the dark. They'd uh -huh. be flustered. They wouldn't notice exactly what she had on. And as soon as she could, she rushed back to her own room and took off the skirt she'd worn when she knelt at Cathcart's side. Then she got into her pyjamas, uh, keeping on the cap, coat and shoes, because that was what people had seen her wearing already. Yeah. Then she concocted the burglar story for the coroner's benefit. That's about it. Oh, I suppose she was so desperately anxious to throw us off the scent of number ten that it never occurred to her that her story was going to implicate her own brother. But she realised it at the inquest, and that explains why she grasped at the suicide theory. Yes! And when she realised she was simply saving number ten at the possible cost of her brother's life... She lost her head and took to her bed. No, she refuses to give any evidence at all. Ah. Well, it seems to me there's an extra allowance of fools in my family. Anyway, clears the poor girl. That's the main thing. Uh, she isn't the accused, Charles. I want something that will clear Gerald. Telegram, my lord. Ah, thank you, Bunter. Party traced London. Seen Merrily Bone Friday. Further information from Scotland Yard. Police Superintendent Gosling Ripley. Oh, I say good, eh? Now we're getting down to it. Uh, stay here. We'll do there as a good man in case anything turns up. I'll right. pop round to the yard and see the head man. Uh, Bunter will arrange some dinner for you, won't you, Bunter? Uh, certainly, my lord. Uh, there's a brace of cold pheasants. Well, what about that strawberry flan from Gunter's I left a large piece after lunch? I uh, disposed of it, my lord. Oh, I see, yes. Well, um, well, give him a bottle of the Chateau Margot. It is really rather decent, Charles. I'll see you later. Well, thanks very much, Sir Andrew. I really mustn't take up any more of your time. That's all right, Lord Peter. Here at Scotland Yard, we don't keep normal office hours <laughs> any more than do the criminals. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been very kind. Good. Well, we'll leave it there for now. The man was undoubtedly seen at Marylebone on the Friday morning, and though we have unfortunately lost him again at the moment, I have no doubt we shall have our hands on him again quite soon. Every confidence, Sir Andrew, as ever. Thanks very much. I hope you're satisfied that we're doing all we can. Uh, can you get a cab? Uh, yes, yes, yes. And thanks again for everything. Taxi? Uh, no, tax? Yeah. Surely it's Lord Peter Wimsey. Uh, oh, good evening. Uh, how are you? And how's Mary? 
Why, it, it's Miss Tarrant, isn't it? Oh, how absolutely ripping to see you again. And how is Mary? Uh, well, not too good at the moment, you know. Naturally, very unhappy about all this murder business. Mm, she must be. I expect you've heard that we're... Uh, what the poor describe as being in trouble. Of course. And as a good socialist, I can't help rejoicing when a peer gets embroiled. And I mean, all this medieval ritual of being tried at the House of Lords makes the whole thing so ridiculous. Uh, and it is ridiculous, isn't it? But all the same, I'm very fond of Mary, and I can't help wishing it was someone else's brother. You were very good friends, weren't you? Oh, I adored her. <laughs> so, as I say, I'm terribly sorry... And for you, too. I mean, you don't just sit around shooting animals, do you? I mean, you do work uh, at uh, investigating, don't you? I mean, you don't lead a completely useless life. Well, I try not to. Oh, so, I mean, well, that's all right, then. Good. Well, if you can prevail upon yourself to overlook the unfortunate misfortune of my birth and my other deficiencies, perhaps you would honour me by having a spot of dinner with me somewhere. I'd have loved to, loved to, but I promised to be at the club tonight. I mean, there's a meeting at nine, Mr Coke, the Labour leader, you know. But if you'd like to come along there and dine, I mean, please do. Yes, why not? I have a guest at my flat, but I'm sure my man has rustled something up for his dinner. Was the pheasant satisfactory, Mr Parker? Oh, delicious. Cheese? Ooh. The Stilton is at its best this evening. Oh, just a little, then. <laughs> Some celery? Will you excuse me while I answer the door? Oh. It's Lady Mary, Mr Parker. Lady Mary? What a surprise. Oh, good evening, Mr Parker. Where's Peter? Oh, Scotland Yard. Uh, well, you should have left by now. Will you take anything, Lady Mary? No. Mr Parker? No, nothing more, Bunter. I'll bring some coffee later. Your coat, milady? No, no, it's all right, thank you, Bunter. I really will, milady. Can't you find Peter? What? He's doing something dreadful. He's all wrong, you see. I, I must tell him, tell him. Well, uh... Oh, did anybody ever get into such trouble? <laughs> I, oh. oh, look, look. No, 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 try to... I, I said, um, well, sit down. No, no, you, you'll be ill if you cry like that. Have a glass of wine. Try and stop crying. You, you are crying, aren't you? I, I mean, it isn't hiccups, is it? Well, I said Bunter. Here, my lady, sniff this. <coughs> Bunter, how dare you? It's only Dr McKinsey's smelling salts. Your ladyship had better take a drop of brandy. Yes. This is the 1800 Napoleon brandy, my lady. There. <coughs> Please don't snort so, if I may make the suggestion. His lordship would be greatly distressed to think that any of it should be wasted. Did your ladyship dine on the way up? No. Most unwise, my lady, to undertake a long journey on a vacant interior. I will take the liberty of sending in an omelette for your ladyship. Huh. You're better now. Well, look, is there something on your mind? Yes, there is. It's, it's awfully serious. Well, then, if you can honour me with your confidence... Well, and... I, I don't quite know whether... Well, tell me, how far have you got... What have you discovered? Oh, I'm afraid I can't very well tell you that. I might accidentally do mischief to an innocent person. So there's someone you definitely suspect? Well, indefinitely would be a better word. But look, please do tell me anything you know. We may be suspecting a totally wrong person. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, well, what do you want to know? Well, you were in Paris last February. Yes. Do you remember going with, with Captain Cathcart to a jeweller's in the Rue de la Paix? And buying a tortoiseshell comb and a diamond and platinum cat with emerald eyes. 
Is that the cat you've been making inquiries about in Riddlesdale? Yes. Had you lost it? Or was it Captain Cathcart's? If I said it was his... I believe you. Was it? No, it was mine. When did you lose it? That night. Where? Wherever you found it. In, in the shrubbery. I didn't miss it until later. Why did you deny it was yours? I was afraid. And now? I'm going to speak the truth. I'm glad. I believe that at the inquest there were one or two points you didn't tell the truth about, weren't there? Yes. The shot you said you heard at three o'clock, was that true? No. But you did hear a shot? At 11.50. Was that when you hid something behind the plants in the conservatory? I hid nothing there. In the old linen chest on the landing? My skirt. Did you go out to meet Cathcart? Yes. Who was the other man? There was no other man. We saw his footmarks all the way up from the shrubbery to the conservatory. He must have been some tramp. I know nothing at all about him. We have proof that he was there. Of what he did, how he escaped. That man in the Burberry, Lady Mary, was the man who shot Cathcart. That's impossible. Why impossible? Because I shot Dennis Cathcart myself. Comrade. Yeah. Ah, here's the bread. It's the real thing. Yeah, it certainly looks it. It gives a new meaning to the phrase, man cannot live by bread alone. Millions have to. Ah, yes. I can understand it if one has to. Mary had the right ideas. I mean, worked so hard for the cause. She was secretary to the propaganda branch for six months. Was she now? She was a tremendous help to Mr. Goyles, to say nothing of the nursing during the war. Of course, I don't approve of England's attitude to the war, but Mary certainly Who had the... Who is Mr. Goyles? Oh, one of our leading men, quite young. But the government is really afraid of him. I expect he'll be here tonight. He's been lecturing in the north, but I believe he's back now. Uh, look, I say, excuse me, but your, uh, your beads in the soup. Uh, are they? Perhaps they'll flavour it. <laughs> I'm afraid the cooking isn't very good here, but the subscription is so small. <laughs> I mean... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted you. You were telling me about Mr Goyle. Oh, yes. Everybody thought she was going to marry him, but it seemed to fall through. I mean, she left town. Do you know about it? That was the fellow, was it? Uh, yes, well, my people didn't altogether see it, you know. Thought Mr Goyle's wasn't quite the son-in-law they'd take to. I wasn't there myself, but... Uh, well, that was what I gathered. Mm, another example of the absurd old-fashioned tyranny of parents. I mean, you wouldn't think it could still be possible in post-war England. I wasn't parents so much as my brother, actually. Oh. Owing to my late father's circumscribed ideas of what was owing to women, my brother has the handling of Mary's money till she marries with his consent. Oh. I don't say it's a good plan. Oh. In fact, I happen to think it's a rotten one. But, well, there it is. Oh, monstrous! Um, excuse, excuse me... Your beads. Oh, I don't care about my beads. I don't like the soup either. I'm so angry about these feudal ideas of your father's. Uh, too late for him to change them, I'm afraid. He's dead now, you know. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, well, after all, what is money? Oh, nothing, of course. But if you've been brought up having it, it's a bit awkward to drop it suddenly. Like barbs, you know. 
Well, I don't understand how it could have made any difference to Mary. She liked being a worker. We once tried living in a workman's cottage for eight weeks. Five of us on 18 shillings a week. It was a marvellous experience on the very edge of the New Forest. It must have been uncommonly interesting. It was an experience I shall never forget. One felt so close to the earth. I mean, so primitive. Uh, shall we have coffee? Why? Isn't that quite extraordinary? What? There is Mr. Goyles, just walked in. Really? Uh, would you introduce me? Of course. I'll ask him if he'll join us for coffee. Uh, Mr. Goyles! Yoo-hoo! I say, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine, uh, Mary Wimsey's brother. Will you join us for... Oh, really? He's dashed off. But he can't be missing the lecture. Excuse me, I must have a word with him. I say, did you see a tall, fair man just run out of here? Yes, Governor. Run up that alley behind the Hippodrome. What's up? Pinched your wallet or something? Uh, Mr. Goyles? Mr. Goyles, come back here a moment. Would you I want a word with you? Oh! In that episode of Clouds of Witness, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, the Dowager Duchess of Denver, Patricia Routledge, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Lady Mary Whimsey, Mariah Aitken, Miss Tarrant, Miriam Margulies, Dr. Thorpe, Sir Andrew and the Man, David Sinclair, the Woman and the Cockney, Bonnie Huron. Mary, quite contrary, was adapted by Peter Jones and Tanya Levin from the book Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. The program was produced by Simon Brett. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>